بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد سبحان الذي أسرى بعبده ليلا من المسجد الحرام إلى المسجد الأقصى الذي باركنا حوله لنريه من آياتنا إنه هو السميع البصير صدق الله العظيم I think Mullah Abdullah has overpromised in the 20 minutes that I have to talk about the history, the virtues and our tasks and responsibilities is an extremely daunting task sounded like an exam question with a small amount of window of space. So we ask Allah for barakah and blessing in our time and uh, in what we say about this. May Allah allow us to fulfill the rights of these places that have a right upon us. And sometimes it gets difficult because of the place that we're in, in terms of what we can do being such a distant away, distance away, and what we can effectively do and what we can't do. It gets complicated. That's why one dua that I tend to try to make in these kind of situations is Ya Allah give us the give us the enablement enable us to do that which is befitting for us to do and allow us to be used in the service to do that however there are some concrete things that we can do right there are some concrete things that we can do but let us first understand what we're speaking about here there's a interesting poem by uh, Nizar Qabbani he says I asked about Muhammad within your walls. I beg news of Jesus in your streets. O Jerusalem, swiftest path between heaven and earth. And I think the reason why he's saying is because Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that's a place he visited on a special journey. And it wasn't something that the Prophet sallallahu went on foot or on any worldly mount by. It was something, as Allah mentions in the Quran, Subhan alladhi asra. The Prophet ﷺ was sleeping either in Umm Muhani's house or in the Haram and uh, he was woken up and taken by the angel with the Buraq which is a special steed, a special animal and he was taken from there to Jerusalem and then to wherever Allah wills and that's where the Hadith mentions that he had a meeting with all the Prophets there from Ibrahim Adam all the way down and they were all waiting there and I used to always wonder how would they do it when you see the pictures of the masjid, how would the 124,000 prophets gather in there. But when you actually visit and you realize that the masjid is... The other day, uh, just yesterday on Twitter, I put up the picture of about three quarters of the compound, including Masjid al-Sakhra. And I said, masjid, I talked about Masjid al-Aqsa and somebody immediately tried to correct me and saying, this is no, this is not Masjid al-Aqsa, this is Masjid Qubbat al-Sakhra. But actually all of that, Qubbat al-Sakhra is included within Masjid al-Aqsa. So it's all of that environment. As soon as you get in from the chain gate or any of the other gates that we have, um, that whole expanse. Before, they used to actually not even let you wear slippers there, I heard. You had to go barefoot. And it's just, uh, it's all paved and uh, stoned right now. But they wouldn't allow you to go. Now they allow you to go with shoes there. But then they've got two major masjids there. The one is the Qubbat al-Sakhra, the Dome of the Rock. And then they've got the Qibla Mosque which is now becoming known, more well-known as the Qibli Mosque because that's more in the direction of the Qibla, that's kind of on the edge. Right? 
So the whole thing is Masjid Al-Aqsa, the whole thing. And then you can understand how you've got so many people in there. So they're all waiting there and then the Prophet ﷺ, Jibreel ﷺ, led him forward that you lead the prayer. So the Prophet ﷺ, mashallah, leads the prayers, uh, leads that, those two rakats of prayer, whatever number of rakats it was. And all the Prophets were behind him. So it's a very special place that the Prophet was specially taken uh, down there for Jerusalem. Jerusalem is also... Um, there's a few hadith that I'll cover just to give you an idea of what it mentions in these hadith. It is the place of Ibrahim alayhi salam that he moved to, that he moved in the direction of. He came from Iraq, from Babylon, Iraq or southern Turkey. There's a dispute there as to where Ibrahim alayhi salam originally was born and where he was. So the Turks in Shanli Urfa, they say it was there, whereas the Iraqs, they say that actually now Babylon is here and we were in that area of Ur. So Urfa, Ur, that's, there's that. But then he moved with his nephew, Lut alayhi salam, to the Middle East. Uh, or this, the Sham, that area. And Lut alayhi salam, he went to the Dead Sea. And that's where he became the prophet of the Saddum and that area. Who eventually were destroyed. Right? Um, because of their evil acts. Right? Um, but Ibrahim alayhi salam... Uh, so Ibrahim alayhi salam, Ishaq alayhi salam, Ya'qub alayhi salam, Yusuf alayhi salam, Lut alayhi salam, Sulaiman alayhi salam, Dawud alayhi salam, Salih alayhi salam, Zakariya alayhi salam, Yahya alayhi salam, and finally Isa alayhi salam. They've all been in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem has been a very, very special place anyway. Now, in Arabic we call it Al-Baytul Maqdis. Or Baytul Maqdis, Al-Baytul Muqaddas. So all of these can be used. You may have heard it. They're not incorrect. Al-Baytul Maqdis, the word Quds means holy. Quds, it's a, they actually refer to it as Quds as well, the holy. Right? But Al-Bayt Al-Muqaddas, it's a noun and adjective. The house which is hallowed. The house which is purified. Why is the uh, Al-Bayt Al-Muqaddas the house of purification? Why is it called purified? Well, firstly, it's a purified area in terms of the spirituality. Right? And number two, it's a place where people go to be purified. And we've had a history. It's just now because of the turmoil and many, many Muslim countries having actually cut off relationship with the so-called Israeli government or Israeli area. And that's why their people can't even go to Pakistan, uh, uh, cannot even go and enter into the area. And sometimes they're doing of their own for different reasons. There's a pros and cons on both of these things. They decided we're going to boycott the place so that we can't, um, so that they return back to what it's supposed to be. But it's not worked out. For people in the West, we can actually go there. And mashallah, the people there just absolutely love it. Sometimes they actually say that we don't want your donations. We don't want your donations. Because the people in Jerusalem itself, um, there's probably more poverty in the, the West Bank than compared. Because in Jerusalem, they kind of got a hybrid situation where they work in the so-called Israel proper area. They can go into the West Bank as well. It's a really difficult state, actually. It's a very difficult... I mean, you try to understand their kind of, uh, their kind of status of residence. It's really weird, right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped them. But some of the proudest people that I've seen, some of the most confident and proudest people I've seen... I mean, I've traveled many places, but these people, subhanallah, they're willing to, uh, they're, they're, they're willing to fight for this area. And they're very, very proud. See, the men and the women, they, they stand up to these fully weaponized... Um, policemen and army officers and they will stare them in the face and they will say what they need to say and it's almost like do what you want it's almost like they know that that's they've got a task it, 
and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala generally doesn't give a people a task without giving them some capability if he wants them to succeed. And inshallah, Allah wants these people to succeed, the Muslims to succeed, but they are the forefront. We're sitting here, we can assist in other ways. So that's the name for you. The merits, there's a number of verses that refer to Jerusalem. Aside from the one, the beginning of Surah Al-Isra or Surah Bani Israel, where Allah says that glorified is he who took his servant by night from the sacred precincts to the distant precinct. This is how Abdullah Yusuf Ali has translated it. And that's why I had a non-Muslim once uh, who was interested in Islam saying that you guys are always talking about Aqsa and you say it's in the Quran. Yeah, I've not seen it. I've read the whole Quran. It's not there. I said, I said no, no, I've, it's in the Quran. I've memorized the Quran. I'm telling you it's in the Quran. And then I told him, show me what, what are you... Then I, no, I showed him the verse. And apparently in Abdullah Yusuf Ali's translation, he's done a literal translation of what I've just done for you. Al-Masjid Al-Haram. Masjid means the... I forget what he said. The precinct, or the holy precinct or something like that. Haram the holy sanctuary, to the furthest sanctuary, Mr. Aqsa. So I, I explained to Al-Baytul Maqdis or Baytul Muqaddas. It has many names actually. The Yur Shalim, Yur Salim, this is the, the Hebrew name. Then in the time of the Prophet it wasn't even known as Jerusalem. It was in the, in the books, uh, in, in our Quran, it was re referred to as Masjid Al-Aqsa. But actually it was under the Romans. And that was their area, their capital called Ilia Capitolina, which they had actually built for one of their gods, for one of their idols or one of their Jupiter, I think it's the Temple of Jupiter or something like that. That's why in the Hadith, in many times it's, uh, it's referred to as Ilia. When the discussion about Heraclius, who was the, the Roman emperor of the time uh, in Jerusalem, right, or of the area, uh, the, the reference to Jerusalem was Ilia in the Hadith. Alia Capitolina, that's I think probably a Latin term or a Greek uh, Latin term, I think, right? Or a Roman term, I'm not sure. But that's what it was called. And then after that, you had the whole day of the Prophet and went there and met the prophets. That was a, probably a secret meeting, you know, that nobody else knew about. And uh, then after that, it's Umar who went and that's who, mashallah, took over the area, was handed the keys. And then uh, that's where he then. This area was this had this area had been neglected. You know, if you've been there, you'll see the churches, right? The Church of the Holy Sepulchre or Sepulchre. I don't know how you. There's both ways of saying it, I think, right? Which we visited as well. That's inside the old town. That's inside the old city or whatever you want to call it. This area of the Masjid Al-Aqsa, this whole mount, is totally separate. And this was used as a dump space for them. They had no respect for this area, right? Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of actually contradiction as to where exactly Isa Ali Salam went from and where he was and some say he went from the Qubba to Sahra others say that he, and there's several Christian denominations with different churches in different parts so some are in the old city in fact the Holy Sepulchre Church that has I think four different denominations with small areas that they control of the same church there's no walls in between and they kind of argue about who's going to clean it and who's going to pay the bills but the whole thing is actually under the Muslim awqaf from the time of Salahuddin, rahmatullahi alayhi, the whole thing is under the Muslim Awqaf. So the doorman of the Holy Sepulchre Church is a Muslim, right? From a certain family that, and the house next door is where Salahuddin radiallahu anhu was, rahimahullah was. Uh, um, and uh, we actually got to visit this house next door. It's a 70-year-old woman who owns it right now. It's a really interesting, it's a lot of history. You should really, really go there. You should make an effort to go there. And people are scared to go there. They shouldn't. 
is a whole different experience than Makkah, Mukarram, Medina. And that has an amazing experience that when you go to Makkah, Mukarram, Medina, you just see it and you feel it. Here, it's a totally different experience. You actually get taken back in time. That's, I would say, my unique feature of Jerusalem is that if you want to go and feel like you're back in the old days, because it's the same stone, right? It's not as developed. You don't get the big marble, you know, facades and everything like that. Um, there's nothing artificial there. It's all normal and it's so down to earth that you can actually sit there the whole day, essentially. Nobody's going to throw you out, right? Literally, you can sit there the whole day and there's nobody going to throw you out. And they're so, you know, so... And in Makkah and Medina, they have to be regimental because there's so many more people that go there, right? But here, you can literally casually read in the first saf. You get there just a bit before and you can meet with the sheikh, the imams. You can speak and talk to, uh, to, uh, speak to them. It's very casual. And it just takes you back in time and you get to understand how the people there are. There, there are and mashallah, the pride that they have. And they're, they're really specially chosen, I think, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, for, for this purpose. May Allah give them even more strength. So there's several verses, though, aside from this first verse of Surah Al-Isra that refer to Jerusalem, that refer to Masjid Al-Aqsa. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, chapter 21, verse 71, Of course, that references the whole of Sham that we gave we secured, we gave safety to Ibrahim to a land, to a ground, to an area that we had spread our barakah in for lil alameen, for the worlds. So the barakah there is not just for the locals, but it's supposed to be for the worlds, right? Anybody can go there and take part in that barakah. Thereafter that in... Um, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَجَعَلْنَا ابْنَ مَرْيَمَ وَأُمَّهُ آيَتَيْنِ وَآوَيْنَاهُمَا إِلَىٰ رَبْوَةٍ ذَاتِ قَرَارٍ وَمَعِينٍ So um, we made Maryam alayhi salam and her mother uh, signs and we gave them refuge in a rabwa and that rabwa is, re uh, is saying referring to uh, Jerusalem the shelter or high ground that's what it refers to rabwa refers to a shelter or high ground that is also um, referring to uh, Jerusalem as well, Masjid Al-Aqsa, that area as well. Thereafter that, the verse in Surah Al-Nur, chapter 24, verse 36, Allah says, Allah subhanahu wa there are home, there are places, there are areas or places in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has permitted that they be that they be built, they be elevated and raised and his name be mentioned in there. There's various tafsirs about this but one opinion is that this also refers to the sacred house of Jerusalem. And then this is a beautiful verse, Surah Al-A'raf verse 137 and just as it was applicable to the people before, inshallah it is applicable to the people of now who are there, right? who are the murabiteen of the area. Look at them, you see the pictures in the last days sleeping in the masjid, you know, with those stones next to them, that's all they have. To fight against this, but may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them more power. So Allah says, This is this is about the Bani Israel, how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected them and saved them and grant them, granted them victory and granted them success. So Allah says, we then 
gave that place in inheritance to a people that were downtrodden, that were considered weak, that were subjugated in the east and west of the lands, right? And which places did we give them as inheritance? The lands which we had blessed, right? In that time. وَتَمَّتْ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّكَ الْحُسْنَى And uh, your Lord's perfect words have been completed upon the Bani Israel because they were patient. Because they were patient. And وَدَمَّرْنَا مَا كَانَ يَصْنَعُ فِرْعَونَ We totally, utterly devastated and destroyed what Fir'aun was doing and his people were doing and what they were building. So, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give it back to them as well. And then mashallah, they're doing the sabr, they're being patient. Of course, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for them. Because they have, when you go and you speak to them, some of the challenges in the old city. They've got their houses, they're holding on to them. There are people willing to buy them at 10 times the cost. Right? But they won't sell. And the common idea there is that if you sold, you would have a really bad name. Because it's almost like you could not sell this, you can't give an inch away. And there's some hadith regarding this, but um, you can't give even an inch away. But the problem is that they don't get, per because it comes under the Jer Jerusalem municipality, they don't get permit to build. So then they have to build in secret. They have to bring in the, su the, the supplies, the building material in secret and then build up. And then if they find out, they say this is built without license and then they take it down. It's crazy. So it's like they can't build, they can't add. And it's because it's just suffocation. It's really, really bad. But may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give, give them that, um, give, give them the, the strength and the stability again. Thereafter that you have Musa alayhi salam. I mean there's other verses. يَا قَوْمِكُ الْأَرْضَ الْمُقَدَّسَةَ الَّتِي كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ وَلَا تَرْتَدُّوا عَلَىٰ أَدْبَارِكُمْ فَتَنْقَلِبُوا خَاسِرِينَ When Musa alayhi salam had told his people, enter, it's for you. But they refused to enter at that time. Then he had to stick around for 40 years, wandering, wandering around in the valley. The Ti valley as such. So Ti actually means wandering, uh, being lost in that sense. And then finally they made it inside. But that was after Musa alayhi salam had departed from this world. Abu Dharr al-Ghifari, now let's understand some hadith about this. Abu Dharr al-Ghifari radiallahu anhu, he asked Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, which was the first masjid to be built on earth? He decided to ask him a common knowledge question, I guess, like, you know, what's uh, what general knowledge question? Which is the first masjid? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi said, Mecca, because that was the first um, by the angels. Even before Ibrahim alayhi actually just re-elevated it from the foundations but angels had built it first or Adam Alisan there's different opinions about that about Makkah Mukarramah which was the next one after Makkah Mukarramah so Medina Munawar was quite late that was 1400 and something years ago right but he said the Masjid of Jerusalem just 40 years between after Makkah Mukarramah is just 40 years afterwards there's a hadith in Sahih Muslim so it's 40 years after Makkah Mukarramah right now there are three masjids in the world where you would be rewarded for going. So for example, if I'm by Clapton Masjid and I've heard of this beautiful place called Musallan Noor, which is a very, it's one of the smallest masjids in the area in a basement, right? But mashallah, they've filled it with lots of resources. So I've heard lots of stuff about it, right? So you go in there and there's lots of resources for children, for adults, and they do all sorts of 
uh, you know, mashallah, good things in there. So I like, I need to go and check this place out. So if I come here and pray here, I don't get any extra reward. I get more reward in praying in Medina Masjid, right? But of course, you can visit a different masjid to meet people, to visit the masjid, to, uh, you know, maybe give them some encouragement. You know, there's different reasons you can do that. But you wouldn't be rewarded specially for just visiting another masjid. If you go to, for example, you go to Andalusia and you go and visit Qurtuba, you don't get a special reward for visiting the masjid. You may be, you know, there may be some other rewards you get for that, but you don't get it for praying there. They, they don't let you pray there anyway, but um, Alhamdulillah, I had the tawfiq to pray there a long time ago, but now they're very, very strict. Um, so, there are three masjids though. لا تشد الرحال إلا إلى ثلاثة مساجد where you get a reward for specially going there. So your whole trip is actually worth it. So the ticket money you'll pay will also be rewarded. That's the interesting thing about going to Jerusalem. It's not just a holiday. Right? You know, when I say holiday, it depends what you mean by holiday. For religious people, the holiday is... Um, like some people say, do you ever go on a holiday? Like what do you mean by holiday? My holiday is going there, visiting the scholars, visiting the masjids, visiting uh, Islamic institutions. So I went to Vienna and that's what we did. That's my holiday. <laughs> that's what I enjoy doing. Oh, no, no, do you ever go to the beach and that? I said, well, maybe if you go to Trinidad, yes. You know, or the Maldives, there's some nice pure beaches there. But in England, I mean, there's a few hot days in the year. And there's a few decent beaches. So when there's a few hot days, that's when the whole of England come there. In all of their glamour. And, you know, that gets complicated. But, mashallah, there are places in the world where you can enjoy the beach. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the beach. It's the Qudrat of Allah and it's... You know, it's, uh, there's some beautiful places, to be honest. Go to Trinidad, Tobago, uh, Barbados, right? And uh, Maldives is amazing. Right? But anyway, let me not talk about right now when you've got a monitorium on traveling. It's like, Allah remove this issue from us, this pandemic, and remove the, the endemic from them as well. So how many... Once you go there, then how many rewards do you get? What's, what's all this money you're spending for? Well, it's because you get a huge amount of reward. And there are opinions from 250, 500 or 1,000. There are several hadith about this. One, uh, some narrations talk about 250 rewards. That's to say that minimum you're going to get 250 extra reward there. Multiplied seven t uh, 70 times depending on your sincerity. That's like your base 250 times reward of a prayer anywhere else in the world except Makkah, Mukarram, and Madinah, which have higher rewards, right? The other opinion is 500, and the third opinion is 1,000. So either way, 250 is huge. And mashallah, when you go there, what else are you going to go there and do, right? That's what you do. You get a hotel, and then you go and pray in the masjid, and you just sit there, and you speak to the people, you give them, and they love it when you come, as I said, rather than donation. They said that, that we want more. You come here and show us your support, and it really makes them feel good. And they're beautiful people. They're really hospitable and so on, and they, they really help you out and look after you as well. It's not a nafsi-nafsi world, as the, it is in some other places. It's become like there's just money, money, money. Here, it's not like that yet. There's a lot of decent people that will help you out. So I'm not going to, in the interest of time, I'm not going to mention all the hadith in detail, but I've mentioned to you there are these three views in the hadith, and there are also other views as well. There's also another really, really interesting hadith, which says that anybody praying there is can be purified like the day his mother gave him birth. So you could actually go there and be completely become sinless by the special du'as and the special barakat and blessings that can be that can 
that, that are received there, that are available down there and that we can inshallah benefit from. I've got a set of three lectures that Alhamdulillah Allah gave me the, um, the opportunity to actually deliver in Masjid Al-Aqsa itself, literally. In the Masjid itself, they're called the Aqsa Lectures. Right, and I think they're on Zamzam Academy. They're called the Aqsa Lectures, and they call. So I'm going to refer you to them if you want any more history, okay? Because th they were done over three days, right? So we went with a group, and for three days, they're like 45 minutes to an hour, 45 minutes each, or something, and that goes through the whole history, the virtues. I've also tried to mention all the people who visited there. Not all the people, but all the great people, the Sahaba, and the Tabi'een, and other righteous people who used to go and make that place as the ribad for themselves as a place to Imam Ghazali went and spent a long time there in seclusion right numerous other uh, righteous Sufis and saints and uh, pious people uh, went there because it's a place of special barakah one of the reasons that some of the Mufassirin have mentioned about why the Prophet ﷺ was taken to Jerusalem from Makkah Mukarramah and then up to the heavens for the ascension was because that is where the door to the heavens is Otherwise, the heavens above every place in the world, Makkah, Mukarramah, Medina, absolutely. But that is apparently the place of the door to the heaven. Like if somebody wants to go there, that's going to be the place to go from, right? One day when it's the time to go. Right? So um, there's a few other points that I want to mention. What can we do? Well, as I said, that sometimes gets complicated. Like we get frustrated. What can we do? And... So number one, I think the one thing we can definitely do is, I think, raise awareness. And what I mean by raising awareness is not just a few campaign calls or few messages or emails to your local MP, which you, can, you should also do. But I think this needs to be an ongoing process. The problem is that we only wake up when there's a problem, but it's been an ongoing issue. And the problem with the issue as well, because it's such an old issue, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, there was a lot more awareness because it was a fresh issue. Now we've had so many other issues as well. So it looks like this, uh, this has become kind of like a stale issue for some people, unfortunately. You know, some of you think, it's how many times are you going to go on about Palestine? But it's real, and it's actually worse. From the scenes that I saw today, in fact, I was happy at the beginning of Ramadan, because I expect a bombing every Ramadan of Gaza, right? And this year, it didn't happen. 15 days, 20 days, like, Alhamdulillah, no bombing this year. What's going on? And then it happens at the end, right? So it looks like they find this time for it. It's provocative. Right, and I know of people who've been there in Ramadan and seen the provocation. Right, so what we need to do is we really need to get your neighbors and other people to just understand the reality of Palestine, the reality of the suffering, the reality of the persecution, the reality of the encroached land areas. And what made my heart really bleed is that we were because you're foreigners, you can use the Israeli highways as such that literally go over in terms of bridges and other places into even the West Bank. And you're just zooming past and you look over to the side and there are these small dirt paths and other broken roads and other roads. And you can see these local communities there, right? This is West Bank, Palestinian. This is pure occupied land. This is not, uh, this is something they've encroached on for sure. This is not something they won in a war, right? Uh, or that is allowed by even international standards. And there are exits to these areas off this main sparkling motorway. But they've got these big boulders there. So the people who live in those areas cannot use these. This is for the Israelis with the Israeli passports. Right? So 
they have to go through inside and then there's parts which are cordoned off, there's walls, there's uh, then settlements. And if your one family is on this side of it and the other one is it's harassment to go to the other side, they've taken their fields. It, it's crazy. It, literally, it's just like as much as possible, take as much <coughs> as possible of it. So that's why the only way this is going to change and Britain has to be at the forefront of it because Britain's the one who actually caused this problem in the first place, right, with the whole Balfour declaration and everything like that it was really sad the ottomans went and then this we lost right they they mashallah saved it for so long sultan abdul hamid abdul majid all the others although mashallah the qubbat of sahra is probably about th over 1300 years old because it was originally built by walid ibn abdul malik the umayyads that's early that's the f within the first hundred years of islam and mashallah the, what a glorious piece it is what a glorious building it is Subhanallah. Um, I don't know what else is surviving of Walid's work because he built the, uh, the Umayyad Mosque as well, in, uh, but that was destroyed. And now what you see is obviously being redone. But uh, this place is still there and may Allah preserve it and continue it. People are fearful though of what's going on because they're getting closer. They would never come into the general Masjid Laksa bound, boundaries before. And then now they've started encroaching more and more. They're coming into the door and it's getting worse. So we need to raise awareness because it's only going to be pressure the boycotting and the pressure right on the mps to do something to change the perspective that we can't carry on like this when you see these interviews it's almost like the newscaster is literally scared frightened uh, alhamdulillah there was that one recently on with the british uh, uh, with the palestinian representative i'm not sure if he's an ambassador or he was an ambassador and there was there was obviously resistance in the beginning, but eventually I think he got through to the news uh, to the newscaster, whoever she was, and it looks like she did take it like she got it finally some humanity in her, I think you know he was very good though, right, but hopefully that was some humanity, and I think this can happen when they see the pictures, and I think it's changing inshallah because the social media is making that difference, so we need to spread this as much as possible. Right, we need to spread this, and then of course we need to campaign uh, to our uh, to the politicians directly. But just us campaigning, that's not enough. We need to get the mainstream to campaign. When they take the job up, right, they're gonna they're seen as first class citizens, so it makes a big difference. We're still kind of second class, you know. Regardless, you know, we're still a bit second class. That's the way we're seen. So it's not going to make that difference until we get that. Um, and number three, the hadith I want to mention about something directly. There's a hadith which is related by Ibn Majah, Imam Ahmad, from Maymuna. Said, Ya Rasulullah. She asked this question, subhanAllah, I wonder what came in her. She said, Ya Rasulullah, aftina fi baytil maqdis. Give us a fatwa, give us some direction, some guidance regarding baytul maqdis. Visit it and pray in it. So that's the first thing. Visit it and pray in it. Now, at that time, it was an enemy state. I mean, how are you going to visit at that time? But the Prophet is recommending it from that time. Then he said, okay, if you cannot visit it, you can't get there for a reason, maybe, you know, like, I think Pakistanis can't go there, like Pakistan, Pakistan, because their passport doesn't allow entry or something like that. And there's other countries as well who cannot go there on their passport. That's why it's very easy for Westerners to be able to go there. Right? 
You see a lot of people there from India, the Christians from India, they go there, right? You see a lot of Turks there, mashallah. And you see a lot of the Westerners. South Africans have been going on there forever, mashallah. They've got a lot of support for that place. And then the British, and the Americans are still a bit scared. I don't see so many Americans still going there for whatever reason. Right? Even the Muslim Americans, I don't see as many. True, got, but from England, there was like a group going every week or something at one time, you know, before the lockdown. MashaAllah. And they really respect the British people and the South Africans because, you know, they really rate them. Now, he says, if you cannot go there and pray in there, So something simple you can do, take some oil and send it there which can be helped to uh, burn the lamps of the place. Now, I don't think they've got any oil lamps there. Not, I don't remember seeing any oil lamps there anymore. So I don't, they could have kept one, you know, it's like symbolically actually, actually to, to fulfill this sunnah, subhanAllah. Maybe when I go next time, I'll give them that suggestion. I don't know, they might have one, I'm not sure. But that would be something really interesting, just to fulfill. But obviously, electricity, right, money uh, to, to illuminate the place. Uh, to bring light to the place and that could mean in other ways as well to assist the place in many other ways and the donations will be accepted and so on and so forth but I think we really need to campaign we really need to get serious about it not just when there's a problem not just in Ramadan when they're attacked we need to do this throughout the and may Allah bless friends of Aqsa the Ismail Bay Patel he's been working on this like a lone ranger subhanallah for such a long time and he's developed a lot of relationship in among our non-Muslim community right He's developed a lot of relation. A lot of the time, what they do in terms of the expos that they have, it's full of non-Muslims, mashallah. There's probably more non-Muslims that go there and picking this up because this is the only, this is the minimum that we can do about this. Right? Of course, for the people who are there, they've got a different responsibility. You know, for them, this is probably a jihad, right, at the end of the day. But for us, this is uh, our way of doing things. You know, the minimum that we can do from here, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it. I know one friend of mine, he's a scholar, uh, probably lockdown now, but before the lockdown for I don't know how many years, for 10-15 years, every year he goes, takes a group to Jerusalem, they put their ihram on there, and from there they go for Umrah. He's been doing that for years, because there is a special hadith about that as well, about the blessing of putting your ihram in Jerusalem and going to Makkah Mukarramah from there. It's not easy obviously. Right? But Alhamdulillah, they do that and they come out of it saying, Labbaik Allahumma Labbaik, Labbaik Allah, Sharik Allah, Labbaik. What a scene, mashallah. And everybody knows them there because they do this regularly. So be creative, be ingenuous to bring about awareness of these things. And as I said, we really need to seriously because it's true. What happens if we lose Masjid Laksa? What next? The guys who are sitting in Makkah, you know, Saudi, they think we can let that go, we'll be safe. That's not the way these things work in this world. People are greedy and people are selfish and people are ambitious, right? And this is just human, human, you know, and we've seen in history that it's those who struggled, they may lose. In the short term, you lose, right? If you're struggling against a bigger foe, a big, against a bigger enemy, you're, there's going to be casualties because Allah never promised that you'll always be safe and you'll always be secure in the sense that you won't lose anything. Look how much the Prophet ﷺ lost. The Prophet's life is fully a struggle until the conquest of Makkah. If you look at the life of the Prophet, it's a full 23 years of struggle. You want a book on struggles and you want to see a story of struggle, you want examples of struggles and misery and difficulties and tests and trials, just read the seer of the Prophet. Only after the conquest of Makkah does 
there seemed to be some semblance of now greater stability and so on. Because even after Medina Munawwara, they found a home, but there are constant army, uh, there are constant struggles of attacks, and betrayals, and other other issues. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, we pray to Allah. Allah grants us the tawfiq to do what's right. We feel so helpless sometimes. I think I'm reflecting what a lot of people. What do we do? It's not just simply about money, as I said. It's not simply about just donating a bit. You don't. People will now donate so much to rebuild. Those same few million that are going to be collected now should have been collected beforehand to do a lot of campaigning. This situation would not have probably reached this. Because the only way they survive down there is because they know that they've got everybody in some kind of control. Now if these same people can be, mashallah, contributed to by other people a campaign, that these few million pounds, when there's no struggle there, is given as campaign funds, you know, lobbying funds to politicians in America and the UK, things will change, can easily change. What's the, po you know, now this is still beneficial that we're sending money, you know, to rebuild, but why let it be destroyed in the first place? It's all about, that's the way the world works now. It works on money. That's a huge aspect. So we have money. People have money these days, but it's just not strategically spent. Uh, personally, I think that's going to contribute hugely, inshallah, if that can happen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bless everybody's Ramadan. For some people, this is the last moments of Ramadan. For some people, they may have another day. Whatever it is for you, may Allah bless our Ramadans. Make these final moments better than any before them. Make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. And whatever we've done, we thank to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't want to let shaitan make us feel like we didn't do anything. If you didn't do anything, you didn't do anything. Right? Khalas. But if you tried to do something, then now do shukr to Allah because we would not have been able to do this without Allah's help anyway. The fact that you've even done something, that's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we thank Him for it. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us many, many more blessed Ramadans after this. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and our masajid and our iman in our generation and until the Day of Judgment, have re keep Iman in our families, in our descendants. That's very, very important. Jazakallah khair for listening. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, um, uh, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.